Hello everyone, I'm Kathleen Pally. Welcome to this special omnibus edition of Journey with Story. And in this special omnibus episode, you can listen to all four stories for this month, one after the other. And just so you know, there will be no special intro for the individual stories, no added details and no shout-outs. If you want to hear all of those, then you need to go and listen to the individual episode and not this version. Got it? Oh, mums and dads and grown-ups, you can download some free colouring sheets at www.journeywithstory.com. Time for a couple of very important announcements. Gather round, everyone. Announcement number one. We are holding another giveaway, especially for you, our podcast listeners. We will be giving away three audible versions from my latest picture book, narrated by me, Five Little Angels. And all you have to do to be entered for a chance to win this is send us the name of your favourite episode from Journey with Story either on Instagram at Journey with Story or you can send it to my email Kathleen at KathleenPelly.com Easy, right? And all the details are in the episode notes. Announcement number two How would you like a sneak peek at my next upcoming picture book Jesus, Mary and Joseph? Well, all you have to do is become a volunteer reviewer and we will send you a link so you can read the ebook and write a review and post it on Amazon. You do need an active Amazon account to do so. See the episode notes with all the details. Let's take an omnibus journey with story. Let's take a journey with Daddy Longlegs and the Fly by Edward Lear. Once Mr. Daddy Longlegs, dressed in brown and grey, walked about upon the sands upon a summer's day. And there among the pebbles, when the wind was rather cold, he met with Mr. Floppy Fly all dressed in blue and gold. And as it was too soon to dine, they drank some periwinkle wine and played an hour or two or more at battlecock and shuttledore. Said Mr. Daddy Longlegs to Mr. Floppy Fly, Why do you never come to court? I wish you'd tell me why. All gold and shine and dress so fine, you'd quite delight the court. Why do you never go at all? I really think you ought. And if you went, you'd see such sights, such rugs, such jugs, and candlelights, and more than all, the king and queen, one in red and one in green. Ah, Mr. Daddy Longlegs, said Mr. Floppy Fly, it's true I never go to court, and I will tell you why. If I had six long legs like yours, at once I'd go to court, but oh, I can't because my legs are so extremely short, and I'm afraid the king and queen, one in red and one in green, would say aloud, you are not fit, you fly, to come to court a bit. Oh, Mr. Daddy Longlegs, 
said Mr Floppy Fly. I wish you'd sing one little song, one mumbian melody. You used to sing so awful well in former days gone by, but now you never sing at all. I wish you'd tell me why. For if you would, the silvery sound would please the shrimps and cockles round, and all the crabs would gladly come to hear you sing a hum-de-hum said Mr. Daddy Longlegs. I can never sing again, and if you wish I'll tell you why, although it gives me pain. For years I cannot hum a bit or sing the smallest song, and this the dreadful reason is. My legs are grown too long. My six long legs all here and there oppress my bosom with despair, and if I stand or lie or sit, I cannot sing one little bit. So Mr. Daddy Longlegs and Mr. Floppy Fly sat down in silence by the sea and gazed upon the sky. They said, this is the dreadful thing, the world has all gone wrong Since one has legs too short by half, the other much too long One never more can go to court because his legs have grown too short The other cannot sing a song because his legs have grown too long Let's take a journey with the 12 Dancing Princesses. There was once a king who had 12 beautiful daughters. They slept in 12 beds all in one room and when they went to bed the doors were shut and locked up. However, every morning their shoes were found to be quite worn through, as if they had been danced in all night. Nobody could find out how it happened or where the princesses had been. So the king made it known to all the land that if any person could discover the secret and find out where it was that the princesses danced in the night, the king would allow him to take whichever princess he liked as his wife and to become king after his death. One day, Along came a young prince. The king entertained him well and in the evening took him to the chamber next to the one where the princesses lay in their twelve beds. There he was told to sit and watch where the princesses went to dance. And in order that nothing could happen without him hearing it, the door of his chamber was left open. But the prince soon fell asleep. And when he awoke in the morning, he found that the princesses had all been dancing, for the soles of their shoes were full of holes. The same thing happened the second and the third night, and so the king sent that young prince on his way. After him came several others, but they all had the same luck, and they too were just sent packing. Now it happened that an old soldier who had been wounded in battle and could fight no longer passed through the country where this king reigned, and as he was travelling through a wood, he met an old woman who asked him where he was going. 
Oh, I hardly know what I am going or what I had better do, said the soldier. But I think I would like to find out what it is that the princesses dance, and then in time I might be a king. Well, said the old woman, that is not a very hard task. Only take care not to drink any of the wine which one of the princesses will bring to you in the evening, and as soon as she leaves you, pretend to be fast asleep. Then she gave him a cloak and said, As soon as you put that on, you will become invisible, and you will then be able to follow the princesses wherever they go. When the soldier heard all this good advice, he was determined to try his luck. So he went to the king and he said he was willing to undertake the task. He was as well received as the others had been, and the king ordered fine royal robes to be given him, and when the evening came he was led to the outer chamber. Just as he was going to lie down, the eldest of the princesses brought him a cup of wine, but the soldier threw it all away secretly, taking care not to drink a drop. Then he laid himself down on his bed and in a little while began to snore very loudly, as if he was fast asleep. When the twelve princesses heard this, they laughed heartily. Then they rose and opened their drawers and boxes and took out all their fine clothes and dressed themselves at the mirror and skipped about as if they were eager to begin dancing. But the youngest said, I don't know why it is, but while you are so happy, I feel very uneasy. I am sure some mischance will befall us. Oh, you simpleton, said the eldest. You are always afraid. Have you forgotten how many king's sons have already watched in vain? And as for this soldier, even if I had not given him his sleeping draught, he would have slept soundly enough. When they were all ready, they went and looked at the soldier, but he snored on and did not stir hand or foot, so they thought they were quite safe. Then the eldest went up to her own bed and clapped her hands, and the bed sank into the floor, and a trap door flew open. The soldier saw them going down through the trap door one after the other, the eldest leading the way, and thinking he had no time to lose, he jumped up, put on the cloak which the old woman had given him, and followed them. However, in the middle of the stairs he trod on the gown of the youngest princess, and she cried out to her sisters, "'All is not right! Someone took hold of my gown!' "'Oh, you silly creature!' said the eldest. "'It is nothing but a nail in the wall!' Down they all went, and at the bottom they found themselves in a most beautiful grove of trees, and the leaves were all of silver and glittered and sparkled beautifully. The soldier wished to take away some token of the place, so he broke off a little branch, and there came a loud noise from the tree. Then the youngest daughter said again, "'I'm sure all is not right!' Did not you hear that noise? That never happened before. But the eldest said, It is only our princes who are shouting for joy at our approach. They came to another grove of trees, where all the leaves were of gold, and afterwards to a third, where the leaves were all glittering diamonds. And the soldier broke a branch from each, and every time there was a loud noise, which made the youngest sister tremble with fear, but the eldest still said it was only the princes who were crying for joy. They went on until they came to a great lake, and at the side of the lake there lay twelve little boats, with twelve handsome princes in them, who seemed to be waiting there for the princesses. One of the princesses went into each boat, and the soldier stepped into the same boat as the youngest. As they were rowing over the lake, the prince, who was in the boat with the youngest princess, and the soldier, said, 
I do not know why it is, but though I am rowing with all my might, we do not get on so fast as usual, and I am quite tired. The boat seems very heavy today. It is only the heat of the weather, said the princess. I am very warm too. On the other side of the lake stood a fine illuminated castle from which came the merry music of horns and trumpets. There they all landed and went into the castle, and each prince danced with his princess, and the soldier, who was still invisible, danced with them too. When any of the princesses had a cup of wine set by her, he drank it all up, so that when she put the cup to her mouth, it was empty. And this too frightened the youngest sister, but the eldest always silenced her. They danced on till three o'clock in the morning, and then all their shoes were worn out, so that they were obliged to leave. The princes rowed them back again over the lake, but this time the soldier placed himself in the boat with the eldest princess, and on the opposite shore they took leave of each other. The princesses promising to come again the next night. When they came to the stairs, the soldier ran on before the princesses and laid himself down. And as the twelve tired sisters slowly came up, they heard him snoring in his bed, and they said, "Now all is quite safe." Then they got ready for bed, put away their fine clothes, pulled off their shoes, and went to sleep. In the morning, the soldier said nothing about what had happened, but determined to see more of this strange adventure, and went again on the second and third nights. Everything happened just as before. The princesses danced till their shoes were worn to pieces, and then returned home. On the third night, the soldier carried away one of the golden cups as a token of where he had been. As soon as the time came when he was to declare the secret, he was taken before the king with the three branches and the golden cup. And the twelve princesses stood listening behind the door to hear what he would say. The king asked him, "Where do my twelve daughters dance at night?" The soldier answered, "With twelve princes in a castle underground." And then he told the king all that had happened, and showed him the three branches and the golden cup which he had brought with him. The king called for the princesses and asked them whether what the soldier said was true. And when they saw that they were discovered and that it was of no use to deny what had happened, they confessed it all. So the king asked the soldier which of the princesses he would choose for his wife, and he answered. Well, I am not very young, so I will have the eldest. And they were married that very day, and the soldier was chosen to be the king's heir, and they lived in great peace and contentment for the rest of their lives. And every summer, they hosted a grand ball, inviting everyone in the kingdom to come and dance the whole night long. Let's take a journey with the tale of Mrs. Tittlemouse by Beatrix Potter. Once upon a time, there was a wood mouse, and her name was Mrs. Tittlemouse. She lived in a bank under a hedge, 
such a funny house. There were yards and yards of sandy passages leading to storerooms and nut cellars and seed cellars all amongst the roots of the hedge. There was a kitchen, a parlour, a pantry and a larder. Also, there was Mrs Tittlemouse's bedroom where she slept in a little box bed. Mrs Tittlemouse was a most terribly tidy, particular little mouse, always sweeping and dusting the soft, sandy floors. Sometimes a beetle lost its way in the passages. Shoo, shoo, little dirty feet, said Mrs Tittlemouse, clattering her dustpan. And one day a little old woman ran up and down in a red spotty clock. Your house is on fire, Mother Ladybird. Fly away home to your children. Another day a big fat spider came in to shelter from the rain. Beg pardon, is this not Miss Muffet's? Go away, you bullbed spider, leaving ends of cobweb all over my nice clean house. She bundled the spider out at the window and he let himself down the hedge with a long, thin bit of string. Mrs Tittlemouse went on her way to a distant storeroom to fetch cherry stones and thistledown seed for dinner. All along the passage she sniffed and looked at the floor. Hmm, I smell a, a smell of honey. Is it the cow slips outside in the hedge? I am sure I can see the marks of little dirty feet. Suddenly, round a corner, she met Babbity Bumble. Zzz, bzz, bzz, said the bumblebee. Mrs. Tittlemouse looked at her severely. She wished that she had a broom. Good day, Babbity Bumble. I should be glad to buy some beeswax. But what are you doing down here? Why do you always come in at a window and say zzz, bzz, bzz? Mrs. Tittlemouse began to get cross. Zzz, whizz, whizz replied Babbity Bumble in a peevish squeak. She sidled down a passage and disappeared into a storeroom which had been used for acorns. Mrs Tittlemouse had eaten acorns before Christmas. The storeroom ought to have been empty, but it was full of untidy dry moss. Mrs Tittlemouse began to pull out the moss. Three or four other bees put their heads out and buzzed fiercely. I am not in the habit of letting lodgings. This is an intrusion said Mrs Tittlemouse. I will have them turned out. Buzz, buzz, buzz. I wonder who would help me. Bzz, whizz, whizz. I will not have Mr Jackson. He never wipes his feet. Mrs Tittlemouse decided to leave the bees till after dinner. When she got back to the parlour, she heard someone coughing in a fat voice, and there sat the toad, Mr Jackson himself. He was sitting all over a small rocking chair, twiddling his thumbs and smiling with his feet on the fender. He lived in a drain below the hedge, in a very dirty, wet ditch. "'How do you do, Mr Jackson? Deary me, you have got very wet!' "'Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Mrs Tittlebows. I'll sit a while and dry myself,' said Mr Jackson. He sat and smiled, and the water dripped off his coat-tails. Mrs Tittlemouse went around with a mop. He sat such a while that he had to be asked if he would take some dinner. First she offered him cherry stones. Oh, thank you, thank you, Mrs. Tittlemouse. No teeth, no teeth, no teeth, said Mr. Jackson. He opened his mouth most unnecessarily wide. He certainly had not a tooth in his head. Then she offered him thistledown seed. Oh, deadly, widdly, widdly, poof, 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 said Mr. Jackson. He blew the thistle down all over the room. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Mrs. Tittlemouse. Now, what I really, really should like would be a little dish of honey. 
Oh, I'm afraid I have not got any, Mr. Jackson, said Mrs. Tittlemouse. Oh, tiddly widdly widdly, Mrs. Tittlemouse, said the smiling Mr. Jackson. Oh, I can smell it. That is why I came to call. Mr. Jackson rose ponderously from the table and began to look into the cupboards. Mrs. Tittlemouse followed him with a dishcloth to wipe his large wet foot marks off the parlour floor. When he had convinced himself that there was no honey in the cupboards, he began to walk down the passage. Indeed, indeed, you will stick fast, Mr. Jackson. <gasps> tiddly, widdly, widdly, Mrs. Tittlemouse. First, he squeezed into the pantry. <gasps> tiddly, widdly, widdly, no honey, no honey, Mrs. Tittlemouse. There were three creepy crawly people hiding in the plate rack. Two of them got away, but the littlest one he caught. Then he squeezed into the larder. Miss Butterfly was tasting the sugar, but she flew out the window. Tiddly widdly widdly, Mrs. Tittlemouse, you seem to have plenty of visitors. And without any invitation, said Mrs. Thomasina Tittlemouse. They went along the sandy passage. <gasps> Tiddly widdly, buzz, whiz, whiz. He met Babbity round a corner and snapped her up and put her down again. <gasps> I do not like bumblebees, they are all over bristles said Mr. Jackson, wiping his mouth with his coat sleeve. "'Get out, you nasty old toad!' shrieked Babbity Bumble. "'I shall go distracted,' scolded Mrs. Tittlemouse. She shut herself up in the nut cellar while Mr. Jackson pulled out the bee's nest. He seemed to have no objection to stings. When Mrs. Tittlemouse ventured to come out, everybody had gone away. But the untidiness was something dreadful. <gasps> Never did I see such a mess. Smears of honey and moss and thistledown and marks of big and little dirty feet all over my nice clean house. She gathered up the moss and the remains of the beeswax. Then she went out and fetched some twigs to partly close up the front door. I will make it too small for Mr. Jackson. She fetched soft soap and flannel and a new scrubbing brush from the storeroom. But she was too tired to do any more. First she fell asleep in her chair and then she went to bed. Oh, will it ever be tidy again, said poor Mrs. Tittlemouse. Next morning she got up very early and began a spring cleaning which lasted a fortnight. She swept and scrubbed and dusted and she rubbed up the furniture with beeswax and polished her little tin spoons. When it was all beautifully neat and clean she gave a party to five other little mice without Mr Jackson. He smelt the party and came up the bank but he could not squeeze in at the door. So they handed him out acorn cupfuls of honeydew through the window and he was not at all offended. He sat outside in the sun and said, oh, Piddly Widdly, you have very good health, Mrs. Tittlemouse. Let's take a journey with The Nightingale by Hans Christian Andersen. 
Once upon a time, in the land of China, there lived an emperor who had a magnificent palace with beautiful gardens that stretched as far as the eye could see. Every day, hundreds of gardeners tended the sweet-smelling flowers, the blossoming trees and the bubbling fountains. So vast were the gardens that they stretched all the way through three meadows to the sea itself. And there, by the edge of the shore, a poor fisherman kept his boat. One of his greatest pleasures was to listen to the sweet, melodious song of the nightingale that lived in the tall tree in the third meadow. Each night, as the poor fisherman listened, the nightingale's song soothed and calmed his spirits, so that the next day he felt uplifted and refreshed and ready to return to his hard work. Many people from far and wide came to the emperor's royal estate to view the gardens and to stay in the magnificent palace. All the guests complimented the emperor about these beautiful surroundings, assuring him that these gardens were truly the most beautiful in all the world. Whenever the guests returned to their homes, they would write a letter to the emperor thanking him for his gracious hospitality. One day a guest wrote, The most beautiful part of your empire is the song of the nightingale. Now this surprised the emperor because... He had never heard the song of the nightingale, for the meadow where the nightingale lived was a long way off from the palace. And indeed, the emperor did not even know there was a bird called a nightingale. So he summoned the royal guards and commanded them to find this bird that sang such beautiful songs. But since the guards never ventured past the palace doors, they also had never heard the song of the nightingale. Just like the emperor, they did not even know there was such a bird and they had no idea where to start looking for it. A poor maid who was scrubbing the palace floors happened to hear the guards discussing the emperor's command to find this bird called a nightingale. And at once she told them, Ah, but I have heard the song of the nightingale. Each night, when I go to my home in the meadow, I hear it, and it comforts me and makes my heart so happy that I can return the next day to all my hard work here in the palace. The royal guards commanded the maid to lead them to this bird, so off they all went down through many gardens and out to the first meadow. There they heard the cow moo. And they bowed to the ground and said, we have found the beautiful song of the nightingale. The maid laughed and told them that was only the farmer's cow and not the nightingale. Further along the road, which ran through the second meadow, the guards heard another sound they had never heard before. Frogs croaking in the farmer's pond. And again they bowed down to the ground, saying, We have found the beautiful song of the nightingale. Once more the maid laughed and told them that it was only the croaking frogs who lived at the edge of the farmer's pond and not the nightingale. Just before dusk the poor maid and the royal guards came to the third meadow where the tall trees stood. The maid asked them all to be still and quiet. 
This was not easy for the royal guards, as they were also royal chatterboxes, but they did as the maid asked. And when all was very still and very quiet, the nightingale began to sing. It was the sweetest sound the guards had ever heard. They bowed to the ground and cried, At last we have found the royal nightingale. They begged the nightingale to hop down from the tree, and it did, hopping onto the maid's shoulder. The royal guards were surprised and disappointed to see the nightingale's plain appearance. It was just a drab grey bird with some shabby wings. They had expected to see something bright and beautiful, a bird of many colours with feathers as soft as silk. The maid asked, Nightingale, will you come back to the palace and sing for the emperor? The nightingale explained that she had never sung in a palace before and that really her best singing was done in the cool air in an open space, but she would try her best. The nightingale did not want to disappoint the poor maid and so she went along with the royal guards and the maid all the way through the three meadows to the emperor's palace. Back at the palace, the royal guards, the poor maid and the nightingale greeted the great emperor who was dressed in his finest silk robes, sitting on his royal throne that sparkled with jewels. Seeing this small drab bird, the emperor wondered how one so plain could possibly sing so beautifully. But when the nightingale began to sing, the emperor was so touched that huge tears flowed from his eyes and down his cheeks into his great beard. He was overcome with great joy. Never had he heard such a sweet song. The nightingale was delighted that her song made the emperor happy. Then the emperor offered the nightingale his golden slipper as a nest and a golden perch as a place to sit and sing. Thank you, kind emperor, said the nightingale. So the nightingale now lived in the palace to sing for the emperor and the poor maid. Some weeks later, a special package arrived from one of the guests who had visited the emperor's palace. Inside the package was a present for the emperor. It was a mechanical bird that could sing a beautiful song. It was made of many colours, encrusted with diamonds and rubies, emeralds and sapphires. And inside was a card that said, Wind up this bird and listen to it sing. When the royal guards wound up the bird, it bobbed up and down and began to sing. Everyone gathered around, pointing and marvelling at this beautiful bird covered in sparkling jewels who could sing such an exquisite song. Then the emperor asked the real nightingale to sing a duet with the wind-up bird. The nightingale tried, but her song did not harmonise at all with the wind-up bird, and so she stopped. The royal guards and the emperor loved the sound of this mechanical bird over and over again. They wound it up, listening to its song. They were too busy to notice. When the nightingale fluttered her wings and flew off through the window, down the long expanse of the garden, through the three meadows and into the top of the tall tree. And that night the nightingale sang her song for the poor fisherman. How he had missed hearing her beautiful music, and now it once more calmed and soothed his spirits, so that he could return the next day to his hard labour and toil.
Now, although the emperor did miss the real nightingale song, he enjoyed looking at the wind-up bird encrusted with jewels, and he liked that he could listen to it whenever he wanted by winding the key. Then, one day, the wind-up mechanical bird bobbed up and down and up and down, but no song came out of it. It whirred and clicked and clacked and stopped. It stood still and silent. The emperor was most upset. He called for the royal repair man to fix the bird, and with a little tip, tip, tap, tapping here and there, the royal repair man was able to fix the bird. But he told the emperor not to play it so often, as that is what had caused the problem. So from then on, the emperor only wound up the mechanical nightingale once a day at bedtime. But now the music was not the same as it once had been. And it made the emperor miss the sound of the real nightingale, whose song had always been so sweet and melodious. Months went by, and one day, the emperor fell very sick. He longed to hear some sweet music to soothe his spirits. He wound up the mechanical bird, but the song sounded tinny and unpleasant, and brought him no comfort. The poor maid who was cleaning in the emperor's bedroom heard him say, "How he longed for sweet music as balm for his soul." At once she left the palace and walked to the tall tree in the third meadow. She told the nightingale about the emperor, and how his only wish was for music to give him peace and rest. And so the nightingale went back to the palace with the maid, and she sang for the emperor, who was now gravely ill. Each night, for an entire month, the nightingale sang to the emperor, and her sweet song soothed and comforted him, so that he gradually began to feel better and better. The emperor was most grateful to the little grey nightingale, and felt guilty that he had ever been so attracted to the mechanical bird encrusted with jewels. I shall break that mechanical bird into a thousand pieces," he said. "Oh no, no," said the nightingale. "The mechanical bird is quite beautiful. It simply cannot sing." The emperor asked the nightingale if she would come to live in the palace again and sing to him each night, but the nightingale said, "Oh no, great emperor, I cannot do that." But I will fly about your kingdom, and each month I will return to you, and sing a song of what is happening in your empire. I will sing to you about the rich and the poor, the happy and the sad, the sick and the healthy, so that you will know what is happening outside your palace walls. I will be the little bird that sits on your shoulder and tells you everything. Ah,、oh, everything and anything, anything and everything," asked the great emperor. "Everything and anything, anything and everything," sang the nightingale. And the nightingale's exquisite melody soothed and comforted the great emperor, bringing him peace and rest, so that he could return to his task of ruling his empire. And to this very day, the old emperor is the wisest emperor of all. How do I know? 
little grey bird from the third meadow told me so. I hope you enjoyed that special omnibus edition of Journey with Story. And if you're looking for some ideas for further follow-up activities, maybe you can discuss what the story souvenir was for each story. Remember, the story souvenir is just that little glimmer of truth about what it means to be human and live in this world. Maybe you can make a drawing of your favourite episode and send it to me on Instagram at Journey with Story or on our website. Oh, and another activity that a lot of mums have shared with me their kids like to do is after listening to an episode a few times, children like to act it out. So you could get your brothers or your sisters or your friends together and put on a little play for your mums and dads to lighten their day. Oh, and mums and dads, you can get some other ideas for activities and storytelling resources from me if you sign up for my newsletter at www.journeywithstory.com. And if you subscribe to our Patreon page, you can enjoy even more perks and resources. Here's to stories aplenty that fill our hearts with grace and goodness, hope and light, so that we remember, as my favourite poet says, All shall be well. All shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Be well, my friends, be well, and join me next time for Journey with Story. Music and post-production was by Colette Jonas.